days, ladies and gents. Welcome to the Bit Effect. Recently, we had a special anniversary to celebrate. Well, depending on when you hear this, of course. But uh, that anniversary is the 10th anniversary of the PlayStation 3, which I think now makes it a retro console and me feel like a dinosaur. And with me to discuss this today is Mike. Hello. And Luke. Hi. We're down a couple of guys today, but you know, we figure since it's PlayStation 3, three people is fine, and I just knocked something over, so I'm not quite sure what it was. Anyway, um, this isn't meant to be a very in-depth look. This is more just like a, a, a breadth of what the PlayStation 3 was. I mean, it was a long time for that console generation. We just got some interesting things that we want to talk about, and we, we each have a couple games that we wanted to bring up as PlayStation exclusives, and um, what was special about them to us. To kick us off, Mike has a subject that you might not find too interesting, but it was a very important part of the PlayStation cycle, kind of like the VR is now. And talking about the move, we got Mike with some pertinent info. <laughs> yeah, so... Um... So yeah, I, I I came to talk about the move today. Um, before talking about the move, it, you know we have we have to talk about the the six axis and the uh, well the in, the introduction of PlayStation's controllers for the uh, the PlayStation Three. So so they actually started off without with um with a six axis controller, which was um a, strangely enough actually a a vibrationless controller, which um. Which actually led led to a to patching of games later down the life of the PlayStation Three, um, and then finally reintroducing the uh, DualShock Three, I believe it was at the time. Yeah. But then, further to see in Nintendo's success, PlayStation actually introduced the Move. Um, so before this, we had you know the six axis working with games like Flower, Layer, oh, um, quite a wide range of of, of games, but. Um, but it just didn't seem too successful. I mean, for for myself, I thought I thought things like Flower felt felt, felt really well. Um, there were a few other things, but mo mostly forgettable, really. So when it came to the move, we got a we got a launch date, which felt like an absolute mess. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but they brought things through, like you know, Tumble. I think a lot, a few few add-ons for Little Big Planet, and and these really odd looking. Ones which had lights going on at the front. Of course, you need the PlayStation camera to use these as well. It was a bit bit fiddly to mess about with. You had you had a, a camera on the front which you could switch switch the range of view. And I, I could never figure out exactly whether I should keep it in wide mode, whether I should keep it in in standard mode. I think it was supposed to be standard mode, but you'd always play about with things. But yeah, the move the move allowed you to play play all sorts of things like uh, gun gun games, pirate. You'll have to help me out here, Chris. Um, not Craig. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. help me help me out here, Dave. I think it was was it Pipe Storm Pirates, something like that. Oh, Namco game. I don't know. I, I bought a move and then promptly put it in my closet and went, "Yep, that's the yeah. thing." <laughs> I I very very rarely played it. I mean, I played those Resident Evil games. The Umbrella Chronicles and Dark Side Chronicles, but that was it. Yeah, yeah. It just felt like a, a sort of cloning of the of the Wii, but taking it strangely taking quite a few good good games with it like like the resident evil games you just mentioned yeah um, time crisis appearing but yeah it was most mostly seemed like a failure to me it was it was something that i was in in with on day one i'm not 100 percent sure what i was, <laughs> what I was aiming for 
I, I remember a lot of people uh, liking the way it was used in Heavy Rain, but I, I never played it with that. Yeah, I, I don't remember it even being in. in. Yeah, there in was fact, like actually, a... I think it was it was patched later into Heavy Rain. Oh, um, was it? Okay. But a lot of lot of Heavy Rain was around around being really specific with what you were pressing, and when when the move got added on onto there, you were sort of. I mean, I actually played it purely with the the with the pad. But, yeah, the first time I did, I to... played pad. I think it was was technically a really really strong, strong item. It just it it was one of those Sony things where they can push it out of the gate and kind of forget about it within a few months. Yeah, I've I've not played a, a move, so I'm not going to be much easier. Um, <laughs> the connect was cool, but it, the whole room limitation, you know, you had to have a specific size. My my room was too small for it, so I never got much use out of it. Yeah, yeah, I have I have the same problem. That's why I didn't use the Connect very much. Um, I, I like it a little more than the Wii. It feels more accurate than the Wii, even with the Wii Motion Plus add-on. The Wii still feels like, well, we think you're moving it up and down. We'll, we'll just we'll just move it up and down. That works. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't you can't even play things like uh, Samba de Omega with with the Wii just because it's so loose. But yeah, so I mean, I guess I would put PlayStation squarely in the middle because I haven't really had a good opportunity to use the Connect, so I'm not sure where I would put it versus the Connect. Hmm. Yeah, it's a difficult one to compare. I guess the the Connect would be more compatible with the PlayStation camera. Again, I've not used that either. I I've used it. Plus, the camera works really well. Yeah. But you know, I mean, there's Eye of Judgment, and I think that's it. Maybe iPad. Now, I mean, are there any games that you guys would say, you know, you really, this this has to be used with a move, or are you just kind of blasé about the whole thing? Yeah, uh, one of my friends bought his uh, son a Wonderbook, and he just loved it. He got the move for Christmas with the Wonderbook, and uh, I remember coming over, and he was completely engaged with it. I think he was a bit bummed out when there wasn't any additional games came out for it, but... From my understanding, the move was really, really good at picking up the tracking, and that's one thing my friend was really surprised about after owning a Wii. So surely that's a good thing. Yeah, I'll have to move my stuff to a bigger room and try out the Connect. Just so I, I mean, not that it really matters anymore. I mean, I'm not really wanting to play Connectimals or um, <laughs> that river rafting one. I was it Connect Adventures. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't say. I mean, even even the move games. Once I played through uh, Resident Evil, ah, yeah, it, it's really just gonna sit. But on a plus note, that makes the PSVR a little cheaper. So, <laughs> I guess it's a good thing. Now, um, um, before we move on, we probably should have started it with this, but since we're we're very heavily amateur here, I think probably should read off some um some launch facts. So so the PS3 released. In Japan, uh, in November 2006, I couldn't quite find a date for it, but that, that's that's all I got. Um, it launched in the U.S. Uh, November 17th and North America, and then poor Europe, poor Europe had to wait till March 23rd, 2007. Yep. So I mean, by that time, the launch games weren't even launch games anymore. When it launched, it, it had a a 20 gig version and a 60 gig version. Most people probably went for the 60 gig version only because that was the only one that had an HDMI port in it. The the 20 gig was a really chopped down version that had uh, less USB ports, didn't have an HDMI port, wouldn't work with Wi-Fi. 
And um, that, that basically chopping all that out saved a hundred dollars. So I mean, you could get it for five hundred instead of the um, the six hundred for the uh, sixty gig version. That's crazy. After a little while, in in August of two thousand nine, they released the Slim, which I, I don't have any personal experiences with that. Do you guys have you ever played on the Slim? Yeah. Yeah, I got I got a slim quite quite close to launch. It was when um, Gran Turismo Five came out, so I think I got that bundle. Yeah, it was a it was a nicer system, a lot lot cooler, uh, you know, quieter. Um, yeah, just, just nice system. That was the game that that was the system that lost that uh, the glossy black and went to a matte black, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's still still seem seem nice, still seem quite premium. Uh, moving on to the super slim that released September twenty eighth and. Uh... That that's what I'm currently using now. Um, it 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 feels incredibly cheap, but it works. So I mean that that's all you can really ask for, I guess. Altogether, since since launch to uh, the latest date I could find was 2015, it has sold 86.66 million units, which is pretty good. I mean I mean that's less than half of the PlayStation 2, but it it sat up there pretty even with the uh, 360 and the Wii. So it, it got off to a really slow start. I remember a lot of people worrying if this was going to kill Sony. But I think after they finally got the brand established again, it, it worked pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's an impressive sales figure. The The whole thing with uh, Microsoft allegedly selling the same amount, there's a bit of a debate if that figure includes all the replacements they sent out for the Red Ring of Death thing. So not yeah, quite sure uh, which I, console beat the other, but I wouldn't be surprised if Sony were the were the winner in the end. It really depends on where you go for the info, too. I mean, I, I ran yeah. into a lot of different numbers, but that does bring up a very interesting point. How many PS3s have you guys been through? Uh, yeah, ju- just the two. I had a re- relatively early um, PS3, which, which finally died um, a couple. Well, a few years back, and it was uh, replaced with the um, with the slim, which is still still working. Okay, I am also sitting next to a a pile of four bricked PlayStation threes. Four bricked um, ones. Wow. Yep, yep. All of them uh, got that yellow light where the the heat Holy paste crap, wasn't holding, oh, yeah. and the heat sink just got disconnected, and it would overheat incredibly fast. I also had trouble with the CD drives. The CD drives, uh, the engine, or I guess motor, not engine, burn out, and it wouldn't accept spin discs. It wouldn't do anything. And right. one of these days, I'm gonna Frankenstein me a PlayStation Three back together. That's crazy. I've had four PlayStation Threes, and I've not had a problem with any of them. I've I've passed. Craig's got one of them now. Um, I got rid of the other two. I have a Slim at the moment. And uh, I, I had a super slim or the additional slim one, which I gave to my dad, and he's still using that. So I think you've had a bit of bad luck, Dave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got it. And paying 700 to pop for it, it was not easy. I wonder yeah. if by the time it launched in Europe, uh, they had a lot of those kinks figured out. Okay, yeah. I mean, we had one of the, the PS2 backwards compatible ones, the original launch ones. and. Uh, mm. The thing sounded like a plane when you turned it on, but it still works. Oh yeah, I my the, the super slim that I recently got, I um, that's lasted me quite a while, two years now I think, and I play yeah. it pretty regularly. But yeah, that's what caused me to drop PlayStation Three and move to the three hundred and sixty, where I promptly had to get a second one because my daughter shoved potato chips into the dish tray. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. uh, 
I, I have terrible, terrible luck with that generation of consoles. She, was she adding additional microchips? No, she just she just told me that it was hungry. Oh, it right. To eat, and it's like ah, oh, oh. <laughs> the, the kid is surprisingly still alive today and ruining other systems. So, oh, brilliant. There was a lot of stuff that kind of plagued PlayStation during its life cycle. Luke did a little bit of research on um, some of the biggest problems, like the PSN outage and the uh, the lawsuit after that. The hacker nailed it. So, Luke, why don't you take us away? Yeah, so um, I've done a little bit of research, and this has kind of grown into some arms and legs, but um, it's a bit of a story, so grab a grab a bag of crisps, guys. I shall bag chips, <laughs> sir. Chips. Oh, uh, grab a bag of chips then, okay? Thank you. <laughs> you have Doritos over there. Doritos are universal, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, they're making everybody fat. Okay, grab a bag of Doritos. Everybody knows what they are. <laughs> so, um... The PlayStation 3 originally launched with two operating systems. Uh, the first was the, the native one, and the second was uh, through a feature called Other OS, where you could install different versions of Linux on it. Now, that worked quite well for a few years, but as most homebrew companies, you know, these uh, exploitists will try to attack systems, they gave up with the Sony native system quite quickly and went for the Linux one. And uh, one of the key guys behind that was uh, George Hotz, or Geo Hotz. Now, in 2010, he managed to find a way to get into the system memory and the system CPU, but not the actual operating system. And uh, he released this exploit on the internet, which led to other hacking groups trying to get into it, until eventually they managed to get into the system and be able to put software onto it in March 2010. Quite shortly after that, Sony announced that they would be removing that feature. They'd already taken it away from the PlayStation Slim, which had been out for a while. And uh, this started a few few uh, lawsuits. Sony took GeoHots to court and filed for a restraining order. They uh, demanded that GeoHots provide all the IP addresses for people that had watched the video that he'd released on how to hack the PlayStation 3 and people that had, had access to his site which was really severe at the time. I don't know if you guys remember, but the backlash for, for Sony was intense. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, so GeoHots and Sony came to a conclusion that if GeoHots stopped, that they'd leave, let it be, and that would be it. So that kind of took place, and I think everybody thought it was kind of finished. But then came the massive outage of the PSN. I don't know if you guys were using your PlayStations at the time, but God, it was brutal. It was like nearly a month. Oh yeah, that hurt. So basically, uh, Sony, they noticed an attack happened on the 17th of April, and um, they were obviously not equipped to deal with it, so they hired two or three companies to come in and have a look, and it took them till the 19th of April to figure out what had actually happened, and uh, that's when they shut off PlayStation Network. So users couldn't play games online, they couldn't chat online. I don't even think they could log in. And it took Sony nearly a week to reply and tell people what had actually happened, which was that 77 million account details had been stolen by a hacker. Yeah, I remember that time period every day, coming home going, please, 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 please. Oh. Well, it was so bad for me that I actually went and bought an Xbox 
um, just so I could play and speak to my friends again. I, I, I guess that shows you yeah. how much gaming was. Did you guys do anything like that at all? That, that was when I had my brief little uh, fling with PC gaming. That, that's what I did. <laughs> For the same reason, it was because me and my friends could, you know, finally play games again. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, Sony was incredibly slow, if I remember correctly, in actually giving out details. They were very sparse with it, too. They just did the, I'm sorry, please understand. Yeah, so around May, they came out and said what had actually happened. And, um, you know, initially, everybody was in rage. I think this was the biggest hacking of of that time, anyway. Um US government, British government, the Canadian government were all wanting answers on what had happened. And Sony really couldn't respond. It was obvious there was a huge gap in their security. Um, they have ended up getting the FBI involved. And um, they traced it down to, they think it was the group Anonymous. Uh, they found a text file on one of their servers that said, we are legion, <laughs> um, which might be a clue. Keep it classy, yeah. Anonymous. Yeah. So... I think initially GeoHots was blamed for the outage, but he came out with a statement um, shortly after saying it wasn't me, basically. And his statement was, running homebrew and exploding security on your device is cool. Hacking into someone else's server and stealing databases of users is not cool. Um, so it's hard to know if this was retaliation for the action against GeoHots. It seems like that, but there's been no concrete evidence if it's just coincidence that somebody took a dislike into Sony. It could be because they took away the other OS feature. Who knows? It was May 14th before the PlayStation Network had come back online. And uh, as comp compensation, every user of the PlayStation Network got one month's PS Plus for free. If you were already a member, you got uh, one month plus an additional month. And you got to pick two PlayStation 3 games and two PSP games. Um, the games were Wipeout, Little Big Planet, Infamous, Dead Nation, Super Stardust, and Ratchet and Clank. Can you remember what games you picked? I grabbed Infamous and Dead Nation because I had everything else. Yeah, I, I went for Little Big Planet and Dead Nation. And I am going to show you one weird way of doing it, which is that if you're Michael, you have to have access to an American, Japanese <laughs> and the UK oh, God. and hence you get both all the games and all the games from different regions. What a oh, What a pirate. <laughs> Yo ho ho, sir. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a pretty crazy time. Um, as I say, I moved to Xbox just because I had no faith in Sony after that. You know, as soon as I find out about it, working in IT, I just changed all my passwords related to the same email address, changed my PlayStation account. Um, I, I was genuinely worried that somebody was going to be able to get my credit card details from there because the amount of information they managed to get from that database was quite extensive. Yeah, yeah, I remember it, it being pretty scary. I mean, I, I normally don't change stuff like that, but I, I made a whole new PSN account Yeah, just because of that. After that, um, the UK Information Commission's office, they fine Sony a measly £250,000. That'll teach them. <laughs> yeah. Someone in Canada filed a lawsuit against Sony for $1 billion. <laughs> I don't think that got very far. I couldn't find any more information on it. Uh, I remember there was a class action suit that got uh, filed, and I received 
13 cents. So, if you see me rolling by in my caddy, gentlemen, thanks, Sony. <laughs> Talking about lawsuits, um, Sony have only just recently settled for the lawsuit against them removing the other OS feature. So, if you have, if you can prove that you installed Linux on your PlayStation, they'll give you $55. Otherwise, if you can prove you bought a launch PlayStation 3, they'll give you $13, I think it is. So, uh, cash in, guys. Get your cash in. (laughs) I wonder if I should just send them a picture of my stack of dead ones. (laughs) Yeah, maybe they'll give you... uh, Or you could take them to GameSpot and get like 50p each. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, mean, that was... was, I had a lot of friends that, that did go Xbox and then never looked back. It was just, well, that's it for PlayStation. Yeah, I I went Xbox, I played all the exclusives, and then um, I think generally PlayStation PlayStation and Sony had taken such a hit to their reputation and their brand that they really focused on the PlayStation Plus rewards. And I remember sitting, you know, playing my Xbox, by this point Microsoft have started adding adverts to their their OS, um, and I'm looking over at my PlayStation thinking, you know, for 40 quid a year, I get Borderlands, I get Red Dead Redemption. And I, with most of my friends, seem to make the switch to PlayStation or back to PlayStation. Um, I don't know if you guys did the same, but, you know, throughout that generation, I started on the PlayStation, went to the Xbox for a little bit, and then finished it off on the PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, that's that's basically the same thing I did. I, I played a lot of games on 360s and um, I garnered quite a sizable collection. But oddly enough, what brought me back was trophies. Really? I thought it would be achievements. No, no. I, um, so I'm playing games and I, I, if I really like a game, I tend to try to get all the trophies or at least all the ones that won't make me a basement-dwelling neckbeard forgetting. And um, it was like, oh, but I have all this progress on PlayStation already. Well, I, I won't. I won't achievement hunt. I'll just wait for trophies to come back, and that's what I did. I mean, that was it. It was just because of trophies. Trophies was a trophy was was a funny thing when they came into the PlayStation. They came in quite late, didn't they? They were patched in. Yeah. And because I'd started so many games beforehand and didn't get the trophies, I thought, what's the point in this? But then playing on the Xbox, it became addictive, and I've carried that back onto the PlayStation. So. I'm not as bad as I used to be, but yeah, <laughs> there was a time there. That... Yeah, it's weird now to play a game and be like, oh yeah, there weren't trophies yeah. all the time forever. Huh. It's, a, it's a very compelling reason to pick up Valkyria Chronicles again now on the PlayStation 4. Yes, sir. That was a, I think that's one of the games that I really regretted not having trophies on. But the, the the actual earliest games to get trophies were, um, I think it's like Super Stardust and uh, like the first Uncharted game. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I know Uncharted was really early. I know Metal Gear Solid 4 took a, an absolute age before they finally uh, announced trophies. And then oh, and did you ever read that trophy list? It is the most mean, vindictive trophy list I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's what you have to play it eight times, I think. To oh, get the God, really? <laughs> yeah, I just—they—they—they they, they hate you. I remember uh, that trophy pack coming out, and I thought I'll put Metal Gear Solid Four back on, but because I only had the sixty gigabyte hard drive, I had to keep on uninstalling games. 
And after about five minutes of watching Snake smoke a cigarette again, I thought, I'm not, I can't be bothered with <laughs> this. Now, now, that does bring up an interesting question, guys. Um, th- this was the first generation with trophies. And, and that generation is pretty close to dead. I, I think it's on life support. Probably regrets smoking as many cigarettes as it did. <laughs> but what do you guys think of trophies? I mean, do they annoy you? Or or do you use them as a, oh, you know what? That's a different way to play. I'll try doing that. I'm, I'm actually a completionist. I, uh, I I originally started with the trophies, and um, by the end of... By the time there were about 10 games that supported trophies, I think I'd almost 100%ed about 7 or 8 of them. Um, <laughs> the first year or two of trophies, I, I think I'd dug so far that while everyone else seemed to be level one or two i was already in the double digits which seemed seemed crazy but then i uh i finally took my foot off the gas um well after the first couple of years and now i just i just steadily get trophies but it's a lot lot better implementation of them these days at at the start you'd have things like uh trophies which were glitched in fact i think you still get it today but there there were glitched trophies which wouldn't be popping up and There'd be oh, other ones yeah. where you could jump into the final level of a game, change the difficulty setting, and get the get the hard hard game completion out of the way. Yeah, good old Wolfenstein. <laughs> Did we all do that? Yeah. <laughs> no, some of us played through on the hardest difficulty and then found out about the glitch. And I was like, ah oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, trophies for me. So again, I I didn't start getting into the achievement thing until the Xbox, but um. Yeah, I got really addicted to it. I just it it became a bit of a competition between me and Craig. We uh, I can't remember what thousand we were to get to, but uh, I think it was maybe ten thousand points. <laughs> yeah, Craig beat me. He like don't ever challenge that guy. You just unleash a demon. Um, yeah, but ever since I I like to do trophies. I'm not I'm not as bad with them as I used to be. I used to have to get all of them. And I'd spend hours doing stupid things. I don't know why. It just felt like a waste of time. But as my uh, time to play lessens, I am less interested in trophies. I'll still go for them if they're easy, but I'm not going to play a game eight times to get the little platinum on my on my e-penis. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And you, Dave? If I really like a game, I will check out a trophy list and, and shoot for it now. But once it gets to be that dangerous edge of, oh, I want this trophy, but you know what? If I go for it, I'm going to be so sick of this game. Like um, when it when it came out, The Witcher 3, I mean, the big one was, was defeat the game on Death March. And uh, Death March is no joke. That thing is a beast. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I finished it on Death March, but by the time I finished it, I didn't want to do any of the uh, DLC because it was, it was just, I'm so tired of this. Yeah. I have a few Platinums, but unless it's something that I want to do, I, I generally don't go out of my way anymore to do them. What's the worst Platinum you've ever got in terms of you would never ever do again? Ah, uh, worst Platinum I've ever got. Um, I'd have to say Dark Souls 3. Oh. I, w- I am so tired of that game now, and I went in with with such just ecstasy man i mean the first two playthroughs were were fun and then after that it, it was it was well it was like a death march i was like all right we can do this i have to do it 
Yeah. yeah, I remember you going on about it so so fondly as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's still an amazing game, but at the time, I was like, all right, play through number six. Okay, here we go. I'm not going to admit that I have a platinum in Terminator Salvation. But <laughs> <laughs> that is officially out there. Oh, man, that's like those people that got, you know, a hundred or a thousand gamer score on Peter Jackson's King Kong. That's cheating. I did that with the avatar on the Xbox. <laughs> oh, you, you sickened me, sir. To be fair, though, Craig bought it and gave it to me, so I just did it. <laughs> but yeah, my, my first Platinum was uh, was the Uncharted Platinum. Oof. Yeah, I, d- I mean, uh, ever since then, it, it's not too hard, the whole crushing difficulty thing. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a, bit, of a bit of an achievement at the time. Now, gentlemen, um, curious here, would you ever... Um, attempt a platinum without a guide nowadays. Uh, no, I actually I got um I got one for um was it Fallout Three or Fallout New Vegas? I think it, no, it was Fallout Three. I got the platinum for, and I don't think I used the guide there. Ah, good man. Right. Generally, when I'm hunting for a trophy, I'll um I'll have a look through the trophy list first. P.S. I hate those hidden trophies. I don't see the point in it. Like just oh, re- it is so nice that you can do it now. Yeah, you can see them. Why? Why do it though? Just retitle the trophy if it's gonna like complete X part of the game. It doesn't need to be a spoiler in it. But yeah, they don't need to say play up to the point where the main character dies. Like, no, you, you don't need to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just say play up to chapter six. Dude, bro dies here. Ping. <laughs> yeah, generally when I'm hunting for a trophy, I'll um. I'll have a look through the list first, and I'll maybe have a look at a trophy guide, so you know to see if I, there's any missable trophies, and if there isn't, yeah. then I'll probably just crack on. But do do you guys go into a game thinking I'm gonna platinum this? Because generally, I don't decide until I'm like maybe halfway through and think, okay, this is one I really like, so I'm gonna give it a little bit more time. Um, if it's a series, I know I like. Then yeah, I'll, I'll go like Dark Souls. I went straight in, going all right. We're gonna platinum this sucker, come hell or high water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The good, the good thing about um, like visual novels recently is that to to actually finish the game properly, you do have to platinum them in most cases. So that's that's one good good thing recently. But yeah, I I mean I I always aim for a platinum in in the games that I've been waiting for 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 quite some time. But quite often I'm, I'm you know I'm. Quite happy as long as I'm not leaving something with like, I don't know, say beat four, beat fifty kingpins or something like that, and I've, I've only beat like forty eight or something. I'll I'll still jump back in and save game just to catch those little ones. I've uh, had a really bad experience with Skyrim. I loved that game when it came out, but I went for the platinum, and it just became a point of fast travel here, do that, fast travel here, do that, and. It, it just killed it for me. I didn't want to play a game again for another couple of months after that. It. That's what kills Skyrim for you? <laughs> not booting it up? Not Whoa. Uh, picking your race? Not, uh, <laughs> <laughs> not playing the game at all? That, that didn't kill it for you? No, Dave, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day we'll have the one grand day, throw down. Yeah. Moving on, because I'm sure we're boring some people. Another really interesting thing that, that I, I, I tried to look into, the information is actually really scarce. It's, it's a little weird. Was uh, the big deal with 
the PS3 was swappable hard drives. And they weren't proprietary hard drives like the 360 was. It was just any old 2.5 SATA drive. You could pop it in. Yeah. Yeah. I thought maybe PlayStation 3 was the first, but I'm not too sure now. And I know I think it was the first one to save onto a disc that you could then replace because Xbox uh, original did have saving to a hard drive, but it wasn't exactly swappable unless you wanted to mod it. The first one that it might have been was the FM Towns Marty. And if you know what that is, you pat yourself on the back. <laughs> but I, I've got conflicting reports um, of it saved uh, saved games to a floppy disk or it saved games to the hard disk. So I'm not sure. That that might have been the first. It, it sadly wasn't the first to actually save onto a hard drive. The um, Neither was the Xbox. It was the 3DO was the first to save it on a ridiculously small amount of memory. Like forty-seven kilobytes small. It, it, it's it's funny how small Whoa. it is. the The PS2 had the first swappable hard drive, with that that giant honking HDD. If you guys remember that. No, I never had a PlayStation Two. And that's why you're going to hell, Luke. My brother had one. But um, played games on it. Well, he's going to heaven. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was this big honking uh, HDD that you could slap onto the back. And you needed it to play games like Final Fantasy XI if you were too poor to have a PC and you oh, didn't quite know what an yeah, MLO I was yet. This now. Yeah, yeah. That, that did have a hard drive you could transfer saves to, but it wouldn't read from the hard drive. It was basically just storage. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, the, the PS3 was the first time we got to just slap in a hard drive and call it good. And I'm not sure about the Xbox One yet, but uh, PS4, they, they continued that on. I think that's a great feature. Yeah, the Xbox One's just a, a external storage, as far as I'm aware. Oh, okay. Uh, just plug, plug in by USB. To be honest, it kind of makes sense. You know, the the PlayStation Three, they marketed it, marketed it as a um, an entertainment system, not just a console. Where everything else you could do with it, you know, you could put Linux on it. You could. Use it as a oh, Blu-ray player. Blu-rays. That was a big deal at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Netflix. Also. Yeah. So, for them to sell such a small hard drive to begin with, and then have all this extra features, it kind of makes sense if they open up the system so that you can plug in your own hard drive. And at the end of the day, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? They were obviously so confident in their operating system and how it ran that nobody would get in by by doing that sort of thing. So. It's it's kind of weird, but the little little note was like PlayStation Three was the first. This isn't more a console; it's almost a home computer. Yeah, yeah. I think that really started that trend. Xbox did a little bit with its its home media, but I think PlayStation Three was the first. Oh, this is basically just a computer that I play games on. It, it started that trend that continued on. As far as I'm aware, the Xbox didn't have any things like, uh, you know, photos and videos. No, no. Different tabs for things. A couple other little pertinent info that, that, you know, it's it's kind of important. It's more like curiosities to the PlayStation 3. December 11th, uh, 2008 was a date we will all remember as the day the PlayStation Home launched. (laughs) Uh, December 12th, 2008 will be the day that everybody stopped caring that PlayStation Home launched. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, did, did you guys try it at all? Yeah. I want to say no. <laughs> I, I I was all excited. 
it was going to be this amazing virtual chat room that I was going to display my trophies in. Go have a game of bowling with my friends. And it ended up being a place where you could watch commercials and jump and spin into pretty circles. Yeah, I remember sitting and watching that thing install and download and taking an age, putting it on, going, oh, this is it. <laughs> I just <laughs> turned it off and uninstalled it. <laughs> I, I remember spending so long on the character creator avatar and being all excited, and then, yeah, it was just, oh, oh, okay. Did any of your wives or girlfriends insist they had to design your character? Because... Uh, I don't know what it is about my life, but it it was the same with the Wii, with the Xbox, with the <laughs> with that. Every every character I made had to look exactly like me. And it was like a thirty minute. Ooh, your eyes, not that eyes. Next eyes. No, they're a little closer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A bit. Uh, my wife is a creative consultant, as it were. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she's like, okay, okay. We got to make it look like you because if anybody was going to go jumping through the air and shooting thirty people at once, it would be me. <laughs> so it better look like me. Now, other little interesting facts are the best-selling game is something that me and Luke really don't like, so uh, Mike's going to talk about it just for a wee bit. Uh, that's Grand Theft Auto V. As of uh, 2014, which was the last time I could really find reliable numbers that didn't fluctuate all over the place, uh, it sold 20 million units, which is ridiculous. That's a quarter player base uh, for everybody that bought the system. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. No, it's a, a. I think GTA Five was one of those games that was, that was long, long coming for the PS3. I mean, after the um, after Grand Theft Auto Four, which was actually uh around the point that I originally got a PS3, um, you know, we, we, it seemed like it seemed like the PS3, you know, despite being the you know the touted system for GTA Four, it didn't look like it was it was delivering the best version of it. Um, the same happened with Red Dead Redemption. Um, so by the time five came, it was like a great, crazy, crazy black magic release where I was seeing all sorts of stuff. I think you know this was Rockstar completely in tune with what the PS3 could do. In fact, I don't think there's a more more technically uh, amazing game on the system. To be honest, um, I mean, what what does it run at? Is it is it just seven twenty p? I'm not not hundred percent sure, but. But whatever resolution it's running it at, it's amazing that it's even on there in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I'll give it that. It is very impressive to see it running on a PS3. Yeah. Yeah, I, d I don't remember any any major cases of popping all over the place or any real bad frame rates. It's just, just a perfectly functional, amazing game which probably shouldn't have been on the system in the first place. Yeah, look, it was a technical feat. I, I just, for me, Grand Theft Auto was always the fun part was, you know, causing chaos in the city. But that game just became so realistic that, you know, the world became so realistic, but it just wasn't enjoyable for me. I, I didn't, I wasn't attached to the characters. Um, but I do remember it being very pretty. The, the graphics were, were immense and what you could do with different vehicles, you know, jumping from boat to car to plane without any loading and every every person in that game seemed to have a function rather than just walking around in circles in a block or driving in circles you know it, it's very engaging oh it's ridiculous and to see it running on a, a system which had what 512 megs of ram in total yeah 
ancient from, <laughs> you know, um, and to think that, you know, that this is the same sort of game that seems to even push the later consoles and the uh, the PC itself. That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. I can't, I can't believe it even happened. But not only is it there, but it, it works really well. And I, I, I still think I, I could probably even play it on a PS3 today. Yeah, so um, talking about memory, I, I don't know if you guys saw that uh, interview on IGN with three different guys from Xbox. Um, I think there was a systems designer of the original Xbox, the head of Xbox during the 360 time, and the current Xbox lead, um, Phil Spencer. And one of the things I found really interesting about it was that Xbox went for half a gig of unified RAM, whilst the PlayStation 3 went for half a gig of RAM, but it was split between the OS and the, you know, the video and memory. Yeah, yeah. And what it allowed the Xbox to do was to give a much better OS experience. Now, whilst the, the PlayStation looked pretty, it couldn't multitask as well as the Xbox 360 could. So the the Xbox chat, in my opinion, was far superior to the PlayStation's in the sense that the only way you could chat on the PlayStation 3 was outside the game through the chat party, but as soon as you launched the game, you couldn't do both, so you had to quit the chat. Or if you were yeah. to both play the chat, play the same game at the same time. What did you guys think of that? Yeah, I, I always thought it was going to be a some... Because I, I, the X... The XMB itself being a accessible in game was something that appeared in a later firmware. Um, oh yeah, you're right. And, and they always they always touched on it. So we had the we had like the trophies brought in. We had all sorts of things over the lifespan of the system. But the the odd thing about, about party chat was that every single time they'd mention the the firmware update, it became like a running joke of oh, have you added it in? And they'd be saying oh, well we're we're leaving twelve <laughs> megabytes aside for the operating system. And eventually, it just it just never actually happened. I think I think it was pretty much the Vita, which 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 got it straight away because yeah. they were like, they were sick of the sick of the rhetoric about about you know party chat over and over. Then whilst you got games games popping up with their own versions of party chats inside games, you'd uh, you you never actually got that. And then I think I think the hacking just sort of com- compounded it in a way because that that was about the time that they probably could have given it a go but even then yeah yeah it would have been flaky with the uh, the system's limitations like i said before i didn't have friends <laughs> and i don't care about parties they're boring i didn't want to go anyway but we're in a party <laughs> right now <laughs> shut up <laughs> no that does that does bring up the interesting point of uh for me at least being an american god bless america um yeah. Always, always wanted to play games with people from different countries. And uh, this this was the first time that I got to play with people from Europe, play with people from Asia. Uh, nobody from Antarctic, sadly. But, um, yeah, it, it was very cool. I mean, I mean, how did you guys think about that whole no region thing? Was, was it exciting? Were you nervous? I'd been playing games online for quite a while before with people from different nationalities on the PCs, maybe not chatting, but we, we did move on to team speaking stuff. So, uh, with Warcraft and, you know, Delta Force, um, Counter-Strike. So it wasn't really an experience that 
kind of differed for me on the PlayStation 3. I was just so used to it because I've been done, doing it since I was 15, maybe. But Look what, at Mr. Fancy Pants. Yeah, well, but what it became with us was, uh, I remember, like, the big game that kind of grew all of us as a group to play games together was Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. And uh, we... You know how you could hear people chat the closer you got to them in the enemy team? But you could also yeah. chat to your whole team. And because we were all playing on the PlayStation 3, everybody could hear everybody chatting away in groups. So I remember one night there was uh, me and Kev and a couple other mates were playing along. And there was this, uh, I don't know what language it was, but it was uh, some European language, obviously not English. And um, the the guys were having a, a fluent chat in whatever language they were speaking. And uh, I think it was Kev started saying, Jumanji. We just kept on doing it every now and again until they'd be like, did someone say Jumanji? And it, it kind of became a running joke whenever we, we bumped into foreign people not speaking English that we'd whisper Jumanji until they got pissed off with us. But oh, the days of being a troll. Oh, God. Way, way, to let, way to not represent your country well, Luke. I'm proud of you. But Mike, what about you? I mean, did you play with um, people from other countries before? No, not really. No, I, I always struggle with it. I've, I've always had a bit of a bit of a social phobia of the, the unknown in gaming, really. But yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I've got a small crew of crew of people I do play with now. Uh, with with strangers, like a lot. I think call you know modern warfare as well with me. One of the best things was that you do get you do get, you do get people spouting on about pretty much anything in that game. Yeah. But at the same point, you know if. If you set yourself a goal of saying, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna run across this uh, silo field or whatever, um, heading to flag B or whatever," I basically use it as a way to just bark out what I was saying, what I was doing in the game. Sometimes someone would say, "Oh, can you shut up, please?" But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they were polite about it. <laughs> but but yeah, you know, um, I sort of e- eased myself into it because it's you know it's a weird world. You're not you're not used to it. Um, just just playing with strangers it's it's one of the, the oddest experiences ever and, and and all credit to people who can get you know right on board of it straight away i'd still say it says uh it's a bit of a nerve nervous experience for me i mean uh when i when i first started playing i mean it, if you're playing with people from your own country it doesn't seem like that big a deal that you're playing games with them like you know i'd be playing and oh hey this dude's from ohio well whoop-de-doo he's like four hours away that's no big deal I mean, it wasn't until I started playing with, you know, the Brit folks and, and the Scottish folks and the Indian folks and, and the Swedes. Oh, the Swedes. I mean, it, it really struck home how amazing that, that technology was. Because I'd always been a very um, solo player. Even playing um, MMOs like, like Final Fantasy Eleven, I very much stuck to myself. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until the PlayStation 3 era when I finally started, Now nah, you know what, I'm going to try this. After I got called all manner of names, it turned out to be a good experience. Yeah, um, you've just reminded me. I played the uh, Halo 2 on the Xbox, and you could play that online. I think it was one of the first Xbox Live games, right? But you could also yeah. party yeah. chat on it. Yeah, we, we, used to, we used to group up. It was me and another guy from where I live. Um, we used to group up with a couple of American guys. And they were so interested in hearing people with different accents. Like, you know, I, I normally wouldn't be that 
interested in getting to know people in a death match match because you know the next game you're probably <laughs> not going to meet them again. But they were if they if they heard a funny accent they'd be like, hey, where are you from? Oh, that's cool. I'm from here and trying to get to know you, which was which was something I'd never be able to do. I'm not that confident, but it was great to have that story of, whoa, you're from Scotland. What's it like over there? I'm from here and. Yeah, that that was quite cool. Um, yeah, I mean, the best way to start a conversation with anybody is not, "Hey, you have a funny accent." Where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I mean, I mean, it, having that non-personal. I mean, you're just looking at a screen shooting somebody. Uh, it 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 really opens up that that social barrier of you're not so nervous talking to people. It, it, it's a great way to break the ice, or for people that have problems actually engaging other people yeah um you always it, it, there's something to look at you're not completely focused on the conversation and it helped me be a lot more social than i normally am and yeah. then i met you guys and it all went downhill it was awful <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah. <laughs> speaking of the games just so so we're aware the the launch games that came with the playstation in japan and europe not so much for you guys because you're a bit slow <laughs> not by choice. Uh, let's see. I mean, <laughs> how many of these games have you guys played? Um, uh, we we have Call of Duty Three, which, yep, you know, I imagine everybody played. Genji: Days of the Blade. Did any of you guys play that? We got a very small taste of it. Not too much though. Uh, my advice would be don't. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> the the perennial Madden O Seven. I have played that actually. Yeah, look at you. I can't say I've played it, no. Uh, one game that I did spend a lot of time with was Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Yes. Yes, that was the first game I played on my PlayStation. Yeah, that was, that was some it good was. times right there. I got a feeling I played that on PC, possibly. Did you pay for it, Mike? Oh, it might, it might have hit PC. Yeah, did you pay for it, Mike? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't have the launch of a Japanese system without at least one mobile suit Gundam game. Crossfire. And I can't say I've ever heard of it, let alone play it. No, me neither. We have two competing basketball games. Um, I'm sure they're they're big deals to people that care. NBA 07 and NBA 2K7. And again, I haven't spent any time with any of them. No, either did I. Yeah. I know the 2K games have been big since the Dreamcast. But... Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I remember NFL 2K. That was, that was some good stuff on Dreamcast. Need for Speed Carbon. I recently bought this, and I haven't played it yet, but I'm kind of curious about it. Any of you guys? No. <laughs> a tiny bit. If I remember right, it's sort of a, in the, the sort of underground mold of Need for Speed games. Yeah, I think so. But not not a huge amount of experience. NHL 2K7. I don't think that you guys would care. Yeah. No. We got a big one that spawned a... Fairly decent franchise. I enjoyed it anyway. Uh, Resistance. Yeah, yeah full full of man. So, yeah. yeah. I've got nothing positive to say about that game. <laughs> you have you have nothing positive or nothing but positives. What is this saying? If you've got nothing nice to say, say nothing at all. <laughs> Odd, oddly enough, uh, in, interesting fact here. I actually walked past a, a Manchester Cathedral this morning. And that's oh the, really? Uh, I think that's that's the thing that was. I think they had a massive furore about using it in the advertising campaign for the game when it first came out. Oh, that's Something cool. To that effect. 
because they were showing a all, all images of war around a church or or something to that effect. I can't remember. And it was actually a Manchester cathedral <laughs> or Manchester. Yeah, yeah, odd. So there's my res- tenuous resistant link for the day. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it. It, it was a, it was a fun shooter. It wasn't quite the leap from the like PlayStation Two shooters, but like, I mean, it, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Ridge Racer Seven. Are you guys any Ridge Racer fans, or? Yeah, I love the Ridge Racer series. Well, was this the first time the? Uh, I, I think it was the next system, which was the first time we didn't have a, a Ridge Racer game to go with a yeah. launch system. Hmm. I can't say I missed it this time, but yeah, I, I, I played a little bit of Ridge Racer 7. It's it's a Ridge Racer game. It's pretty fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, before his reputation went to hell in a handbasket, I got Tiger Woods 07. Yeah, I played this game. I quite enjoyed it. I'm not a huge golf fan, but um, had many drunken nights with that game with a couple mates after the pub. So you're Scottish enough to be drunk, but not Scottish enough to love golf. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I really liked all the golf games pretty much. Um, I, I didn't like this as much as I liked Hot Shots, but um, at launch, it was, it was a good game to spend 20 hours in. We got Tony Hawk's Project 8. Now, did anybody care after American Wasteland about Project 8? Yeah, not not really. American Wasteland was okay, but... I it was all right, a gap, yeah. A gap until this one, and it sort of seemed a bit, a bit like maybe they'd switch the teams or something, or sort of... I'm not sure, but I, no, I wasn't on board. Yeah, me neither. The last launch game is one that both me and my wife hate with the passion of a thousand sons. I don't know if sons have passion, but if they do, we really hate this game. Uh, Untold Legends. I've never heard of it. Is, <laughs> it, is, it, it is a dungeon crawler in the vein of Champions Norath or Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance or even Marvel Ultimate Alliance, that kind of game. It sounds good. Okay. <laughs> no, don't no. It it is it is the most boring plotting game of that nature that I've ever played. And I mean we wanted to finish it because that's that's what we do. And and it was so rough to actually get us to care about finishing it that, that by the time that was the only disc I've ever thrown out. Ever. It was it was, <laughs> it, was it was awful. And if you worked on Untold Legends, I'm very sorry. Um, because you know, you know, gentlemen, we are going to be the talk of the town with industries. Mm. Uh, uh, on a side note, the games that launched with PSN when, when they finally launched the store, another amazing group of games, we have something called Blast Factor, which I'll pretend it says Blast Core and be excited. <laughs> Anything from you guys? Nope. No, I, th- I think we might have had a few more specific, like, European releases for... Oh, yeah, launch. that's a good point. But I can't remember too much. Um, was, that, was there a, a, any sort of Tekken tag games quite early? Um, oh, Virtua Fighter Five. we had, I think, at launch. Oh, you, okay. Yeah, well, that's a good one. It's better than anything on this list. Yeah, I remember Virtua Fighter Five. That was the one that I was going to pick up if I, if I had an opportunity to... To grab one at launch, but they're way too expensive for me. The first games that we had uh, were so the service started on the 29th of June in the Europe, and it was uh, Wipeout HD, Age of Zombies, Jeez. Field Runners, and Destruction Derby. Ooh. 
with Little Big Planet. Uh, sorry, I meant I meant Virtual Fighter Five was a launch launch title, not a. Yeah, oh, yeah. okay, all right. Yeah, Virtual Fighter Five is good. That's a good stuff. Over here, since we don't believe in having good games, we continue on with Cash Guns Chaos, which I have never seen. And uh, rounding out this list, we have Go Sudoku, which I'm sure a lot of people everywhere gave to their grandparents. <laughs> What, with the whole PlayStation um, 3? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, here, here you go, Gramps, here's some Sudoku. Just take the whole thing. And to finish off the list, we actually have a decent game. Granted, it's one that's infuriating, but um, Lemmings. Good game. Are you guys yeah. Lemmings kind of guys, or do you just walk them off a cliff and watch them splat? No, in, in primary school, we, we had Lemmings hidden on the, uh, on the hard drive, the computer at school. <laughs> so, some, some oh, that must have been infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was, there, I think there were, was one or two computers in total at primary school, and yeah, someone someone found this hidden away. I think one of the teachers had put it on. So yeah, yeah. The only time I've ever played it was on the the master system, I think, and it was a really shit port, but it was a good Oof. game. Yeah, just like everything on the master system. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Now, now, to finish off the episode, and hopefully you're still listening, the most important thing about the PlayStation 3 was um, the exclusives. You know, what made you buy the PlayStation 3? If you don't have exclusives, you're kind of doomed from the start. So what we've done is we've each picked three exclusives that, that really uh, stuck out to us. And uh, this is not to say these are the best exclusives, because they might not be. Uh, but uh, to start us off, we got Mike talking about. Yeah, yeah I, well, I, I've got to start off big. So obviously, the big biggest exclusive for the system, bar none, was a uh, Metal Gear Solid Four: Guns of the Patriots for me. This was a this was a game that was hyped for for many years prior to its launch. I think it was hyped before the system actually came out. I can't remember, but um, but yeah, this this was the big the big one after after seeing Snake Eater, um, knowing that. You know, it's Kojima who's going to do his do his magic on the system. There's no sign of it coming out anywhere else. I think there were rumours of if this game came out on the 360, it'd take 21 discs or something stupid to that effect. <laughs> um, and and yeah, that 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 was both the game that that prompted me to ha- you know get the PS3 and also to um to make me buy a buy a HD TV for the first time. Oddly enough, um, so. It was, so it's a huge, huge event, and it, it delivered for me on all all fronts. I think I think there was something memorable about every chapter in the game, um, and you know I I still love the Metal Gear Solid series to this day, so it it didn't go wrong at all. The most memorable thing I think about uh, Metal Gear Solid Four was I got to share a smoke with Snake <laughs> while he installed. I mean, I mean, we were both we were both smoking men. We both had beards. I didn't have an eye patch, but it was good times. We talked about love and if it could bloom on the battlefield. I could, <laughs> okay, well, I can sense the sarcasm here, but you know, it's it. it any anyone anyone that that hypes for that game would be prepared to wait for a for a flag break. Yeah. Oh yeah, don't don't get me wrong at all. It is an amazing game. I, I mean, you you have people that complain about the cutscenes and stuff, but but at the time you didn't care. I mean, after you finished it, you might be like, ah, those cutscenes were long. 
But while you were playing it, you were riveted to your couch or chair or beanbag or bar stool. Or yeah, yeah. I I always find it amazing that there are people counting how long cutscenes were instead of just enjoying the thing. Yeah, definitely. But, oh, yeah. That, that, that might just be me. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, granted, that the what is it, 40 minutes for the ending? Yeah. I made the mistake of trying to do that on a lunch break. I had a 30-minute lunch break, and I started that final scene, and I had to turn it <laughs> off and start it again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe they should have added a, a save in the middle of a cutscene thing, but for the most part, no, I didn't care about the length of the cutscenes. That was the game that um, I, I bought the, the Metal Gear Solid pack. That was my first PlayStation 3, and then I went and got one of the oh, backwards compatible ones afterwards. But um, that was the first game that, for me, felt next-gen from the PlayStation 2. It, it was just phenomenal at the time. It was brilliant. I still remember going to the shop to pick that up on the first day. What what we did was we bought the... Um, well, I, I got the... Uh, the GTA 4 bundle, um, but it came with a copy of, I think it was Condemned 2, which I, I <laughs> oh, yeah. blasted through. Uh, I beat the bear, got out, got out of there. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then I got to the shop, and I basically blagged it in a way. I think they tried to sell it as saying, look, we know Metal Gear Solid 4 comes out in two weeks. Come back to us with this Condemned 2, and you can switch it over. Oh, that's cool. So I went in. They gave me a bit of a, bit of a funny look. They, uh, they swapped it straight over, and, I, and ever since I've been trying to get the white white cover cover variant of the game to add to my collection too. But yeah, which you always see in CEX for about three quid, but I can never be bothered picking it up. <laughs> now, what about you, Luke? Yeah, so um, I, I picked up my PlayStation Three. Um, I think it was it was with the Metal Gear Solid game. Um, I didn't have any money, so I bought it on some silly finance agreement, and Pets ended up paying like half of the price of the PlayStation <laughs> on top of it over twelve months. Don't ask me why, but yeah, it it was brilliant. Um, and one of the games that stuck out for me was uh, Heavenly Sword. So um, I don't know if any of you guys played it. I, I gave it a good th- sound thrashing. It w- it was made by Ninja Theory and. What kind of grabbed me to it was the motion capture. It, the game, story-wise, wasn't brilliant. I, I had a really good time with it, but I think generally it was a bit... It didn't review all that well. I think people said that, you know, graphically it looks amazing, but the story is a bit weird. But I went into it with really low expectations and was just blown away with, by it. You know, it, it, it was just something different. It was something that I hadn't really experienced that well before and although I'm struggling to remember everything about it I just the facial capture that they did especially with a guy is Andy Serkis yeah that's um playing that game is the first time I've ever uttered the words wow Andy Serkis looks beautiful (laughs) (laughs) he was the old man right (laughs) yeah yeah he uh, no no they they and from what I gather he's done quite a lot in terms of just the motion capture technology for video games. I mean we owe that guy a lot. Yeah. For what he's done, starting with Heavenly Sword, and yeah, the game is beautiful. It, it does play like a cut rate God of War, but mm. at the time you really didn't care. It, it it looked fantastic. I can't say I would want to replay it anytime soon, but it as a showcase to what the PlayStation can look like. That was that was hands down great. It's it's kind of weird because, you know, at the time I loved that, but I now work 
for a university and they use the same software that they did to capture that game to do um like oh, that's cool medical analysis so it's been quite cool like working with the software and hearing from the guys that developed the software who helped you know make some of these games and lord of the rings and stuff it's been really cool like seeing it from the other perspective on how you would do all that work so i i guess it has extra meaning to me for that as well uh yeah guys i uh i got my playstation 3 in um june of 2008 and uh, like you, I had to use some financial wizardry. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was a good day when I brought it home. One of the big exclusives for me, and if anybody knows me, they know what's what's coming up next. Uh, that's going to be Demon Souls. It launched uh, February fifth, two thousand nine, and it is a day that I will forever celebrate in my heart. I have a very weird journey with with Demon Souls. I um, the only thing I ever saw of it was a like thirty second trailer of the beginning of the game and it was like that's it i have to have it i don't know what it is i don't know who it's from but i will have it the game looks great and um by now i mean i mean everybody knows the soul series by now and you know the the difficulty the difficult but fair i should say uh, um what it expects of you as a player but at the time this this was unlike anything i had played like even since the 8-bit days having a game that difficult that's not like cheap ninja gaiden difficulty it's nope we expect you to be a good player difficulty um the story was was unlike anything i had played at the time um it's it's the whole i guess i guess the um the theory behind demon souls is is the world worth saving and you know you go you go to all these these horrible places where horrible things are happening and at the end of the game, you have to make that choice of should I save it or should I just let it go to rot? And at the time, I mean, that was, that was, I remember sitting there for like five minutes thinking about it. And um, I, I, I won't go on forever, but just let it, it was special to me. It really was. And it, it's, uh, it's the ultimate import, I believe, as well on the PS3, as we... Oh, yeah. Um, uh, you, you might have actually had the case yourself of trying to, trying to hunt down an import copy when... And it didn't seem like it was going to come yeah. first the US and then then Europe after that, I believe. Yeah, and uh, that was a game that that got translated ju- mainly from word of mouth. Um, there wasn't a lot of marketing at all. It was all people telling their friends, "Hey, you've got to try this." And um, I take it neither of you gentlemen have have played much of it. No, I, I, I yeah, I. Uh... I went to Hong Kong uh, just shortly after it came out for the first time, and I, I tried to get an import copy. Um, I think they were charging about sixty pounds for it, so I, I gave it a, a miss short for a short while. Um, and then a couple of months later, after the American release, I I finally imported it. Then, um, of course, the day the day it arrived on my doorstep, they announced that it's finally going to get a European release. <laughs> oh, of course, so, of course. <laughs> yeah, but no, I love it. It's Nice fancy little Atlas US logo in the bottom corner. Yeah, yeah. and if you are interested in it, it's a very interesting case study on, on how one single game can just catapult a developer. Yeah, yeah. I uh, It came out on PlayStation Plus over here, didn't it, Mike? I think it did. Yeah, yeah, so I got two lots of trophies now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we did finally get it on PS Plus. Um, the, the thing is that the game actually... It, it's locked to its region, so yeah. if, 
now I can play it with Dave and play it with you as well. Yeah, I I had a bit of a weird one with Demon Souls. I really liked the concept of it, but I didn't have a lot of time at the time. I was I was working a lot of hours at work and um having to travel quite a distance as well. And I just kind of bounced off it. But it's a shame. I would like to get back into it. I think I got about a third of the way through it. Yeah, just make sure you do it on a happy day because it's, it's really depressing. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mike, what else you got for us? Yeah, yeah, I've got Yakuza 3, which was a sort of... <sighs> Quite a, quite a while after Metal Gear, I think I can't I can't remember exactly when it came out, but it was um, you know, it's a continuation of the Yakuza series, which was was big on the PS2. We've been you know we did that lovely, lovely set of voice actors for the original to be followed by a <laughs> purely dubbed sequel. Um, and then the third the third game hit, and it looked it looked like the uh you know the next evolution of that that franchise. Um, I'd, I'd always been a big fan of Shenmue. Um, so to to get to play the latest uh, Nagoshi game was going to be lovely because he was he was pretty much mimicking that Shenmue spirit sort of into the uh, Yakuza world. And I, I love my crime. I love my Goodfellas. I love my Godfather. Um, perfect That's match, perfect really. For you. Yeah, yeah. So I I absolutely blasted for it. I can't remember whether I actually platinumed the game, but um. But yeah, as as it stands, I'm up to date date on the uh, Yakuza series, but but that one was the uh, special one. I really loved the um. The, this is an odd one because in in the other games where you do where you do go off the beaten track, and go to like little uh, different towns and stuff. This was the one where I think each place you actually went to in the game had had a lot more personality. The later games, it seems like when you're outside of the main like uh. Uh, Camaroco, you sort of it seems like you sort of get dropped into just generic maps but this this one it was you know perfect all the way through the only only weak thing i'd say probably a little bit of the story but perfect exclusive game and um yeah if you, if you were to get a ps3 today um i'd definitely go back to it uh yeah i i, I i've always kind of bounced off yakuza i mean it's not that it's bad it's just i'll always start one and then go oh this is going to take a lot of time and then I set it down mm. to when I have time, and then I always forget I have it. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. But yeah, I mean, uh, the the fighting engine is really fun in almost all the Yakuza games. And if you really dug that Shenmue, I, I really liked it as as almost a um, a small snapshot of Japan. It is it is very mm. cool in that way. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to the new Yakuza. I really want to pick that up. I'd I'd probably say. Um... I think the the hard thing about the Accuser series is that it does have quite a long, long storyline now. Um, pretty much the majority of the games, they they have really really big fleshed out things with a lot of cinematics. It's 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 kind of you know parallel to the Metal Gear series in a way. Mm. Um, I don't think you need to be as as on board with the Metal Gear series, but. Um, you know there are, there are ways ways of playing the uh, the older games. I think, unfortunately, not localized like a, a Wii version of the first two games, um, or Wii U even. Um, but I'd really watch some sort of recap thing before getting into it because as, as nice as it looks, it is a little bit impenetrable from a story angle. Okay. And uh, definitely don't do what I did and import a copy of the one that didn't come over here 
and then think you'll be fine playing it in a completely different language. <laughs> because you will not get very far at all. What do you got, Luke? Yeah, so I'm going to pick Infamous, the 2009 release from Sucker Punch. I've listened to a lot of podcasts about this game, and a lot of people don't seem to like it. But for me, I loved it. <laughs> I really liked it. Uh, yeah, the guy's voice was a bit over the top, but it was an open world game. Sorry, it was a sandbox game that, you know, was following the traditional Grand Theft Auto style of do so much in this city before a bridge unlocks so you can get to the next part of the city. But you had superpowers, you could be good or evil, and depending on what choices you chose, your your abilities changed. Um, I was going through a big stage of sandbox games at that time, loved the Assassin's Creed games, you know, loved Saints Row, and this just came along and I, I was blown away with it. I remember it came out at the same time as Prototype, which maybe damaged its mm. sales a little bit, but um, I don't know why it got so much hate. Maybe it's just the genre that I liked at the time was a bit overwhelmed. Let it be stated that I agree with those reviews that don't like the game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I have a weird thing. Where, uh, at the time, I was friends with somebody that actually worked on it in the art department, and I got so tired of hearing about it and I played it for five minutes and went, nope, yeah. I just don't want to play this. So, yeah, I mean, I haven't given it a fair chance. But, yeah, it's just something that I just bounced right off of. I, I really like the art style, especially the comic book thing they did, like, for the story parts. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, uh, I remember a lot of climbing drain pipes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, not sure why that's stuck in my head. But, um, yeah, it, it, it did, you know, it was a good, good continuation of the superhero thing. I mean... I think people were would have hoped for like a, a good Spider Man game to pop up at some point, but um yeah that, that it pretty much filled the uh, filled the gap for me, definitely. I don't know if you guys finished it. Um well Dave obviously didn't, but yeah. the, the the ending was quite cool, so the premise was that there was a big bad guy had come along uh, and mm. through the oh, game he makes you that. he <laughs> makes you uh, pick on which one of your friends were gonna die your lover or your best friend and you, can't they be both well he did a bit of a thing so if you picked one he'd you know if you if you pick to kill or save the no i meant can't somebody be your lover and your best friend this is too deep for the show dave <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but um, it later turned out that the reason the guy had done this choice was because the bad guy was you from the future, and he'd come back to train you up to be powerful enough to take on the thing that was coming next. And I just loved that. I, I thought it was brilliant. It, it just it really sucked me in. Yeah, it was it was cool. He had he had like wasn't he a hooded guy all the way through it until yeah, the very end? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I was, I was quite 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 amazed by that as well. Uh, the next one I got is um, a game that is much better than Infamous. Um, you would say that even if you liked Infamous, you would be less of a person. Ratchet & Clank Tools of Destruction. This released, uh, oddly enough, on my birthday, October 23rd, 2007. And it was a banner day. I, I, did, I did grab it release day. And um, I was a huge fan of Ratchet & Clank from the PS2. And this didn't do much... Other than adding a crappy six-axis weapon, it it was just bigger and better. 
And I'm okay with that. I, I like that it, it took everything that was great about the PS2 one, added in a, a much more interesting story, and then just turned everything up to 11. I mean, the, the weapons were great. The, the, the humor was, well, pretty good still. Uh, it was just a fantastic game that I played through multiple times now. Yeah, it goes hand in hand with a, a, a cracking time for me. It's both both um both really, 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 really strong platformers. You'd you'd be surprised, you know. With you'd think Mario ruled the entire thing, but I mean, it's not. It's not even a platformer, really. It's more of a shoot 'em up, isn't it? But it's, that's a good mixture. Mm hmm. One one thing that I do constantly state, much to the derision of my friends, is Ratchet and Clank is a better Zelda than Zelda. You keep on saying that. We're not going to discuss it. <laughs> We're going to discuss it at some point. Uh, we, can, we can mute tracks. On the <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, Luke, do you have any time with this game or no? Yeah, I I, I didn't play Ratchet and Clank game until the PlayStation 4 re-release um, or the remaster. Um, so, yeah, I really can't add much to it. But from playing, I mean, the Ratchet and Clank's one of my favorite games I've played this year, if not on the PlayStation 4. So I would like to play the games again. Um, I think I've got a few of them actually digitally. So if I ever have a free 10 hours, I'll stick one on on the PlayStation 3. But yeah, I really love that series. The characters are brilliant. And going back to it would be an experience I'd like to participate in. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the few game series that is actually funny and not just full of groaners. <laughs> It's got its own small semi sequel in a way with a, a quest quest for beauty, wasn't it? I think. Oh yes, yeah, yes, it did. It, it did have that that uh, that was one of the first downloadable games I ever bought. Was and there there's really not much to it. It's like a three hour thing, and you can tell it was very much in its infancy. Ah. Uh, okay. But yeah, it, it was a nice little add on. All right, Mike, take us out. What's your last one? My finale is going to be the. <laughs> The Halo S clone of um, Guerrilla Games, which was uh, Killzone Two. So, this it, oddly is is the only non-Japanese game on my list today. It's um, a real technical showcase for the system, marred by a by an early debut, which I don't think deserves the flack it actually got. Um, with an amazing multiplayer experience. Loads of loads of ahead of the time sort of things like the um the whole online ticker for checking replays of matches through a through a web browser. That there's there's so much to the game. Um it, it felt perfect. Most of the guns were, were brilliant. Um you could argue the physics system was a little bit off in some cases, but but they, they this this was one of those games that actually got patched a few times too, you'd get. I don't know, the list goes on. The new new maps added, all sorts of. I I pretty much bought into the whole experience. Um, I I wasn't as hyped for it as I thought I'd be in advance of it coming out, but but once it hit, you know, it was just everything. I I don't think it it got the uh, the praise it probably deserved to be honest. But um, strong, strongish story. A few few wobbling points, but just. You know, if you had a PS3, this was a this was definitely an exclusive for you, mm. and it was um, mm, really really good, really good all around. When when we initially wrote down, you know, on the list what games we were going to talk about, uh, when I heard Killzone, I was like, oh, yeah, that that's a weird one to toss on there. Until I mean, 
I've played them all. And I guess it's a series that I never really took the time to appreciate. And yeah, I, I played Killzone too. That was good times. I didn't play a lot of multiplayer. Mm. But um, uh, yeah, I just remember lo- definitely. Yeah, well, yeah. I I think I might have. Uh, I just remember <laughs> this at the end of the campaign. There was that last boss against. Was it a general? And it was, it was uh, just yeah, waves yeah. and waves. Oh yeah, that was that was that was rough. <laughs> but yeah, I have a lot of good memories about Killzone, and I just never take the time to appreciate it as a series. I guess. Yeah, I have. A, I never played it. I mean, I, I didn't have a PlayStation Two. I used to play some games on my brother's one, but I remember my brother got Killzone One, and he just really, really disliked it. And when the second one came out, because I thought the first one, well, I'd heard the first one wasn't very good. I just didn't bother with the second one, which probably isn't the right way to look at games. But there was so many coming. <laughs> <laughs> there was so many coming out at the time that it's uh, you know it's easy to skip a game. So I I did enjoy the the one on the PlayStation Four, although I didn't finish it. Oh, uh, Shadowfall. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a solid shooter. Yeah, um, one thing I'll give I'll give Kate Killzone over Halo uh, is is even though it's all futuristic weapons and stuff, the weapons seem to have more punch to them. Yeah, yeah, and that feels better when you play. Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean I, I still like the Halo system, but I guess it's you get used yeah, to it. Yeah, you nothing wrong with Halo. Yeah. No, when when you when you're playing Killzone, you see you know the sand the sand flying across the cables, flying in the wind, people hidden in. Sort of like predator style camouflage and you run along with a shotgun getting a beefy beefy blast on someone and then uh you know hearing all the all the the blip noise makes that game to be honest every time you <laughs> every time you kill someone in in multiplayer all you hear is this little bloop so, <laughs> you know you know things are going good if you're hearing that bleeping noise multiple times you're definitely having fun <laughs> so, but yeah Wow, I, I mean, think, thinking back on it, if you know, if I if I got a chance to play that again on the new, on the new systems now, I'd be, I'd be amazed. Really, it's just oh, so much going on. Um, you know, admittedly, it's it's not the best game ever made. Um, but as an exclusive, it's, it's you know, it's definitely a showpiece, and and somehow they managed to both get the graphics and gameplay right. Mm. The odd, odd boss battle, as you mentioned, yeah. No, no, that that the boss battle was bad. It was it was just white knuckle the entire time. Oh, I don't know. I think it might have been a bit. <laughs> it was a bit uh, a bit pump. <laughs> uh, uh, well, see, there we go. Rose tinted glasses. <laughs> All right, Luke, what do you got? So this was a game that kind of took me by surprise. Everyone said the JRPG was dead, but here comes Nino Kuni. Um, Level 5 came out in 2012 and it was a collaboration with Studio Ghibli. And um, yeah, I, I just fell in love with it. I, I loved the character it had, the charm it had. Um, it was a bit of a sad story, you know, the the young lad loses his mum so so early in life and, you know, kind of, I don't know if he, if he made it up in his head or whatnot or he really was <laughs> the secret wizard, but... Um, yeah, it's just a game that kind of captured me from start to finish. Um, the the inclusion of Mister what was the guy with the bell in his nose? The Mister Drippy. Yeah, the Drippy. Yeah. Yeah, the inclusion of Mister Drippy, uh, him being Welsh, I just thought it was brilliant. You know, it, 
<laughs> it had a it had such a charm to it and whilst it had its traits that were maybe a little bit irritating like it got a bit grindy at the end and the difficulty spiked huge um it's one of the best jrpgs i've i've finished um yeah i i just i just loved it i, I don't know if you guys had the same experience i i play i haven't completed it myself uh, i'm about quarter of the way through it just my wife kicked me off of it <laughs> uh, my wife being a she's a huge studio ghibli fan yeah yeah and um as soon as she saw that it, it was you know grab me by the shirt and say you will get this game it's like all right okay i'll get it she absolutely loved it she thought it was amazing and this is a woman who has never gotten through a jrpg before yeah I mean, just the aesthetics and the charm that, that Ghibli has. and I mean, of course, level five is no slouch in that department either. Yeah. But um, it was just on that alone, she she muscled through it. And that was probably the biggest testament I've seen to, a, to an RPG. Yeah, I mean, mechanically, it's not really any different from JR, any other JRPG with the, the turn-based battle. The one bit that was a bit confusing was the, the capturing of monsters and that sort of Pokemon-style where you had to level them up and then evolve them. And I think a lot of people got kind of stuck on that and found the game really difficult. But if you could get a good team and get them up at a good level, you know, I did the traditional thing of you you come across the first boss, he's a little bit too difficult, so you spend a couple hours listening to some music and doing a bit of grinding. And then I, I found I didn't have to do that right until the end again. So, um, But I like the combat system. I like the, the whole monster thing and having them fight as pets yeah yeah it's a very good game mike you ever play it yeah i i um i managed to complete it as well i i i think it lot it lost its luster a tiny bit sort of in the you know the mid sort of 30 hour point but um but for the most part yeah there's brilliant music lovely lovely colorful visuals um you know, if if I had to think of one game that sort of matches up to for me, it'd be it'd be a you know one of the previous games that's made, which was Dragon Quest Eight. It sort of carries oh, a lot of that same sort of thing. Love, lovely music, beautiful visuals, um, and yeah, it's a, you know it carries quite a strong message of it, as as Luke was saying. It's you know really really sort of poignant sort of Ghibli stuff. Um, I was gonna say yeah, it has that that. Ghibli like happiness tinged with sorrow feel to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think you might have read a bit too far into it, Dave. You might have spoiled the game for yourself there. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. But yeah, yeah, it's really, really, really masterful game. I, I'm still not 100 percent sure why it was only on the um, on the PS3, but um, yeah, brilliant exclusive title. Yeah. In in direct contrast to Luke's last game. Uh, <laughs> instead of being rich and deep and beautiful and colorful, we have Twisted Metal. <laughs> which is pretty mindless as, as games go. However, it, for me, I, I was incredibly excited about Twisted Metal because, you know, I had spent a lot of time with PlayStation 1 playing as Sweet Tooth and blowing stuff up. It's good times. Um, I was very sad to see, see it die um, pretty much on the PlayStation 2. I mean, they had black, which which is amazing as far as driving around cars and blowing stuff up goes. But, but all the stuff they brought to the uh, new Twisted Metal. By the way, uh, it was released in 2012. So it's it's fairly late. The multiplayer was fun. 
uh, it really, I mean, it's twisted metal. There's not much. It, once you're tired of blowing stuff up with cars, you're, you're pretty much done with the game. Oddly enough, Twisted Metal is one of those games where I cared about the story. And I can't tell you why, but I did. It, it, it's, 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 a ver- it's a game with something you don't see very often in games. It's really black humor. Like, it's very, very dark kind of humor. And that really endeared me to it. Uh, it looks absolutely fantastic, even today. The campaign, they, they, they monkeyed it up a little bit with um, now you're playing in a helicopter. But for the most part, it was just an all-around great, mindless game, and, and I'm very glad that uh, they got Jaffe back to do it. Because, mm. you know, his, his, all his other games like that, that God of War just, just flopped terribly. <laughs> it was. It was awful. All right. Um, well, we're going to wrap it up here because we're going on really long. There were a couple things that we could have talked about, but we chose not to because we either didn't have enough experience with or we just didn't want to do the research. Stuff like um, that whole format war with the HD DVD versus uh, Blu-ray. Uh, talking about uh, the connectivity to the PSP, which was a big deal to a lot of people. But it was just yeah. something that you know we just didn't want to talk about or didn't have a lot of experience in. So I'm sorry if we didn't hit something that you were hoping we would hit on. Do let us know if there is something, and maybe we'll do like a little short addendum to the end of this. But um, all that's really left is for me to thank my my good friends, Mike. Yep, thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, Luke. Yeah, thanks a lot, Dave. Ah, no problem. And, um, well, uh, this is the end. My name is Dave, and this has been Bit Effect. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Knock it off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha